you know, kind of the rest is history. I created what I call the rich man experience over there, which is rich is a redefinition of rich. It's an acronym for a value system that we use as a compass to help you make sure that you're showing up as the best version of yourself in every decision and every situation. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, it's the day after Father's Day, and I thought we'd share an episode that is more geared toward the dads in our lives, toward the men in our lives. But ladies, the principles this week's guest shares are equally as applicable to you. Armando Cruz is the best-selling author of The Legacy Code. Who doesn't want to leave a legacy? He's also the creator of The Rich Man Experience. He helps growth-minded married men show up powerfully in their relationships with their wife, kids, health, and business to live out a legacy they can be proud of. But just a few years ago, Armando felt dissatisfied at the lowest point of his life. It was a prison of his own making, and it made it worse because from the outside, everything looked great. He had a successful business. He was helping people. He was healthy. His family was growing. They went on vacations. So who is he not to be happy? Well, Armando just wanted something more, which is a feeling I think a lot of entrepreneurs in particular can relate to. Armando says he was tanking the business and there was fear. He couldn't keep living that way. And that's when an influential coach and mentor reached out to Armando about a retreat that might help him. And although they couldn't afford this retreat, Armando's wife offered one of the most courageous acts of love he has ever experienced. She said he had to go, not just for himself or for his family. And there, Armando found clarity and created the rich man experience. The rich man experience is about showing up respected, inspired, connected, and happy. It's an acronym for a value system that, if used correctly, can help you make sure that you're showing up as the best version of yourself in every decision, in every situation, every single day. There's a ton of value in this podcast, a ton of great stories, so bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Armando, welcome to the show, man. Very excited to have you on the Impact Entrepreneur Show and to talk about Legacy Code. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, you know, I was driving with my daughter the other day. As we were just talking before hitting the record button, they, uh, they're down in San Diego. And I was driving with her to go fill up the gas tank of the van. And, and she asked me this question, totally random. She's, she likes to ask a lot of questions. She asked me this question and she said, Hey, dad, did you ever want to change your name? And I said, No, not really. I mean, you know, maybe a little bit because I'm, I'm named after my dad. I'm, I'm a Mike Jr. And so maybe when I was little and I was like, oh, I don't want to be like my dad, you know, and I forced my own identity. 
Maybe I did for a little bit, but now I really like my name. And so I'm going to toss that question to you. You know, your name is Armando. Have you always liked your name or did you ever imagine having another name? Oh, that's a great question. I am actually the third, the okay. Armando the third. And being named after my father was great to me, except when you're in elementary school and you hear like the more common names like Mike or like your name, Mike or Michael, <laughs> Alex. And then it's kind of like, those were the guys that people were talking to and are like, man, why can't I be Mike? Why can't I be uh, Alex or, you know what I'm saying? I was like, nobody's Armando. And at the time, I kind of wanted, like, what you want to do is kind of fit in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I live, in our, I live in Miami. So it's not like Hispanic names are not <laughs> common. It was yeah. just, there was nobody in the school that was Armando. So to mm-hmm. me, it felt like, this is a weird name. Nobody has it. Now I come to to enjoy it. I, I like yeah. it. But when you're kind of trying to find your way, you're like, man, I, I stand out. Nobody, nobody is like me. That's mm-hmm. a scary thing. Mm-hmm. When did you make it your own, though? When did you say, okay, I, am, I like being Armando? So I think I kind of fell into my own when, when sports really kicked in. And the name became less of the issue. It became more about me kind of standing out. So then it became like, oh, that's Armando. He's awesome at mm-hmm. football and basketball mm-hmm. and baseball mm-hmm. and this. Mm-hmm. Which it became less about the name, but the person I was. The association, yeah. Right. And yeah. then, but I would say now that you said, because I, I never thought about that. I would say I really, really owned it when, in all honesty, probably like four years ago. Hmm. When I realized, you know, there was a there was a big shift in my life, and for me, it was probably like the worst place I've ever been. I was at a crossroads, and I went the dark way, and it was not fun. Hmm. It was not fun. What happened? My wife and I have a fitness and physical therapy studio here in Miami. We still have it, but we've had it for going on twelve years. And about four years ago, I kind of, I want to say fell out of love with it at the moment. And I was like, man, I feel, I feel like it's, it's trapping me. I felt like it was an anchor and it wasn't letting me help people the way I wanted to in the depth that I wanted. I felt like the constraints of the business and kind of the, the ideals of what was expected of the business didn't correlate to what I wanted to create and how I wanted to help people. And it really took me in a dark place. Like I wouldn't say that I was depressed like clinically, but I was operating in a depressed state, meaning I was pushing business away. I was not accepting new clients. I would come home in the middle of the day and sleep four, five, six hours. And I didn't want to do anything. I was Mm -hmm. just like lost is what Mm -hmm. it felt like. To the point where I almost bankrupted the business. That's how out of alignment I was. And Mm. there was nothing. My my clients, I love them. The people in there was great, but I felt like I had created a prison for myself. Mm -hmm. Is what it felt like. Mm -hmm. So, what made it worse was, and maybe you can relate, or maybe you know whoever's listening can relate, is this feeling of from the outside everything looks good. People would die for your life. Mm-hmm. Right, I had a successful business. I was helping mm-hmm. people. I was healthy. My family was great. 
you know, we had our house, we had some, you know, cars, you know, everything. We, we took our vacations. Who was I not to be happy with that? Mm-hmm. Who was I to feel like I wanted something more and not wanting something more like, oh, I wanted a bigger house or a bigger car, but I just felt like something was off and it completely threw me. So funny because you say that and it's like goes right back to that kid on the playing field of life. And they're like, oh, look, that's Armando, you know, and so here you now are in this business situation where you're struggling. But on the outside, everybody's like, oh, look, there's Armando. But on the inside, Armando's having a hard time. Exactly. So how did you how did you turn the ship around? What did you what was the process? Yeah. So at the time, my wife was pregnant with our fourth Oh, I'm sorry, with a third child. Mm. And I was tanking the business. And she's like, man, we, we can't continue this way. We can't continue. Like, there, there's fear, obviously. And I remember around that time, my coach, one of my coaches or mentors from, from the past had reached out to me. He said, listen, I have this, this retreat in Thailand that I think could really help. And he kind of shared with some of the stuff. And I was like, man. He's one of the few people, I would say there have been three men, three men in my life that have helped me at crossroads in my life. One mm-hmm. is my father. Uh, another one was a high school teacher. And this, this coach, Dax. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife about it. We couldn't, have, we couldn't afford it because mm-hmm. I was tanking everything. But she looked at me and what I call one of the most courageous acts of love that I've ever experienced. She asked me about it. She said, Hey, you know, what's going on? What do you, you know, you think this can help? And I was like, yeah, I think I do. I trust him. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is something that can kind of get me out of this funk. Mm -hmm. And then she looked at me and she said, then you got to do this. Not, not for you, but for us. Cause we need you to be here. Like, I need you to be here. Be the man, the husband, the father. This baby's coming. And I would rather you go there, figure out whatever is going on, and actually have you present and be here than you stick around and we don't have you. Mm. Like, we can't continue down this way. And I was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. talk about your heart, just like, <sighs> and, mm-hmm. and, and not just your heart, but now just feeling the load of like, man. I got to do this for my family. Mm. And then to make things even that much bigger during the time of the retreat was basically a week and a half before my son was due. So oh, wow. there's a chance that the baby could be born and I missed his birth. And she looked at me, she said, listen, as much as I want you at the birth, I want you there for the rest of our life. So if it mm. means you missing the birth, I'd rather you do that and be here present than be here and not be here. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. fast forward, I went over there, I gained clarity. I realized, man, my business is actually in alignment with everything I want in this world. Yeah. It no longer felt like that prison. I was able to, you know, it's kind of like somebody turned on the lights and said, okay, wait, wait, what you thought was stopping you was lack of clarity. Mm -hmm. Just turn on the lights and you can see the path. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, I realized there was a deep yearning to work with men like myself who mm-hmm. were married, mm-hmm. who were entrepreneurs, who wanted to show up in their life and their health and their business and create a legacy that really 
meant something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what I was able to develop while I was over there. Mm -hmm. I gained the clarity. I was able to come back three days, two days later, my son was born Mm -hmm. and you know, kind of the rest is history. I created what was called what what I call the rich man experience over there, Mm -hmm. which is rich is a redefinition of rich. It's an acronym for a value system Mm -hmm. that we use as a compass to help you make sure that you're showing up as the best version of yourself in every decision and every situation. And so it stands for respected, inspired, connected, and happy. Mm. And so it's, am I showing up as a man who's respected? Am I showing up from a place of inspiration? Am I coming to this from a place of connection? Am I Mm -hmm. eagerly awaiting connection or am I trying to isolate myself? Mm -hmm. Am I coming from a place of happiness and joy? Am I bringing happiness as well as am I aligning with my values to make sure that I am also receiving that joy and Mm -hmm. happiness and fulfillment Mm -hmm. along the ways? Going back to Thailand, and I love that acronym. In in particular, I love the word inspiration because it means to breathe life into something. Right. And so it's an outward orientation towards serving others. And um, I want to go back to Thailand, though. What were some of the questions that you asked yourself or that were asked of you that helped bring along that clarity? Oh man, I would say the one the one that kind of shook me to my core. And it's one actually in the book, I actually share everything that I wrote while I was there. But there was a point where where he was telling us or he was he was kind of guiding us and sharing and said, you know, what would you like your life to be? And that's one thing that in my studies that the more I've gone into the neuroscience of it, mm-hmm. when you're in deep threat, when you're really in a place of fear, you can't forward project. Mm-hmm. So think about whenever you set goals and whenever you kind of have these big plans, you're in a good place. Mm-hmm. You're never in that dark place. In fact, if you ever try to do it when you're in the dark place or when you see somebody that you're like, man, can't you see? It's just take a step to the left and that's all you need. Like you from the outside can see it, but the person in the darkness can't. Mm-hmm. They can't see, they can't forward project. That's a brain thing. Mm-hmm. They physically cannot access that. Mm-hmm. So I was there and I couldn't see forward from that perspective. But mm-hmm. then he said, he saw that I was struggling with it and he, he kind of flipped it on me and he said, okay, wait, instead of thinking about like the things that you want, like, oh, you know, I want this business or that, go to the end of your life. You're dead. You're at the wake. What do you want? your kids to say? Mm-hmm. What do you want your mm-hmm. wife to say? What do you want your friends? What do you want the people that have interacted with you to say? And when that happened, I was like, I could, like, I couldn't, like, I was writing and crying the whole time. And I know maybe not the best thing that people like to hear <laughs> about guys, but it was true. Whatever, man. I was, I was in the moment and I was like, man, my life would mean something mm-hmm. if my kids said this about me. Like if Mm -hmm. I was able to demonstrate that, teach this, share this with them, Mm -hmm. I know I I am successful as a a husband, as a father. My wife, the same thing. So I wrote one if my wife was giving my eulogy. I wrote one as if at the time my oldest son was giving my eulogy. And I wrote Mm -hmm. another one 
as if a friend was giving a eulogy. I wrote mm-hmm. three eulogies. Oh, wow. Interesting. And That's cool. they all came from a little bit different place, but they all had that a common thread, that common thread that now I could extract and say, Ooh, this is what my life needs to be about. Mm-hmm. So what was the common thread? Service. So what did your wife say? What does your friend say? What does your son say about service as it related to Armanda? So, so my wife, I, I would like when I when I think back to that moment, I, it was one of those things that she would have said, or she, yeah, let's say she would have said, you know, Armando lived his life for serving others, but never stopped living life. Mm-hmm. In other words, it wasn't you or I, but because I'm living my life to the fullest. I'm able to serve others to the fullest. Mm. And so it didn't become a one-way street. It was one that filled up both buckets at the same time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and allowed everyone, myself and the people that I was serving, to kind of see the greatest potential and show up as the best person. For my kids, I, I, I wrote it from their perspective, the way I served them and the way I was there for them. And so said, you know, he took us on adventures. He was there for us and taught us through his actions, not his words, not just his words. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was present with us and we laughed and created memories mm-hmm. that now I can take and help others with and help my kids with in the future. Right? That was kind of the perspective. And a friend, very similar. It's like I had the opportunity to witness firsthand and from the outside the the genuineness and authenticity of how he served to the fullest from love right mm-hmm. like truly coming from love not with expectation but a genuine love to serve and to see the best in others mm-hmm. if you treat a man by the way he sees himself then he can't be anything more than that but if you treat a man for what you see him to become, then he can rise up to that kind of mm, standard. I'm I love that. Paraphrasing man. it, but it's yeah, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. You know, it's and ultimately that goes back to love because the the word believe. So in an, in another way of saying it is is if you believe in someone's potential and you relate to them in that way, then the, then that's going to be drawn out, right? They're going to be drawn to that because we all have a desire to be greater than we see ourselves. And in order for us to, to move toward that, we have to, there has to be some sort of a communicative relationship where someone is saying to us, I believe in you. You are capable of greatness. You can do great things. You are called to do great things. And I want to go back in time. Uh, and the word believe, by the way, means to love. And I'm going to go back in time because you mentioned your, your father. And I want to know what kind of a role he played in your life as a kid and how he taught you or showed you what you're capable of becoming. Actually, before I jump into there, I, w- I, want, to make a, I want to make a quick note because you've did it twice already that I think people don't, may not pick up on it, which is this idea of defining. Mm-hmm. You did it first with inspiration and then with belief. Mm-hmm. When you understand what words mean, what they truly mean, or where oh, yeah. their origin is, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it gives you an immense power. 
Mm-hmm. You talked about inspiration at some point and how you know it's being like I I have it interpreted as be filled with the spirit or to breathe mm-hmm. life in. Mm-hmm. And the way I see inspiration is it comes from the inside out, mm-hmm. whereas the world has you believe what what you need is motivation, which mm-hmm. is from the outside in. They're trying mm-hmm. to push something, mm-hmm. something that you particularly don't want to do in mm-hmm. a lot of cases, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. when you're coming from inspiration. It's energizing. It comes from within you. And mm-hmm. you can you know the difference. Mm-hmm. You know the difference because it's effortless. Yeah. When you talk about believe and this idea of love. To believe and love are so tied in together, right? So if you think about the things that you believe are the things that you love, right? Mm-hmm. If not, you wouldn't believe them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of the issue that I'm observing in today's society is lack. Of belief. Mm-hmm. People don't want to say, I believe in this because either they are really uncertain, very unclear, or they're afraid they want to, they're going to offend somebody. Mm-hmm. So now everyone's walking on, on thin ice. Mm-hmm. And I think if you truly want to love, to believe at the highest level is not only doing yourself a favor, but doing everyone else a favor because you mm-hmm. bring light where there's darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so true. And, and, you know, I mean, we can riff on this for a little bit longer because the reality is I heard this homily in church one time uh, where the priest said, the problem with love is that everyone is waiting to be loved first. Mm. Right. And I'm like, Oh, snap. That's so true, you know? And the pro- and you can say, okay, if the word believe means to love. So the problem with belief is that everyone is waiting to be believed in first, mm-hmm. right? Right. So instead of saying, instead of looking around the, the world, and, and even the lowliest among us, from, from the lowliest to the, the most celebrated, we can, we... You and I can walk around in, in the world every day, every minute, and look at our neighbor and say, I believe in you. Right. You know? And I heard this, you know, there was this, you know, Kate Spade, who is the founder of this really famous fashion line. She very successful, wealthy woman, had everything, you know, another another case where mental health uh, was not addressed and she ended up taking her own life. Yeah, so it's 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 believing in 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 others and reminding them of oh, so we're, this is where I was going. So we we're standing around waiting for someone to believe in us. The whole thing with Kate Spade is that she, she's this really successful person, and she had these interior battles, and she had these external pressures and and things that she needed to to keep up with, right? And people didn't necessarily communicate that they believed in her, right? And the same thing with with Robin Williams and a lot of these other people. They 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 laughed with them, they celebrated with them, but probably not many people went to Robin Williams and said, "Dude, I love you." You know, like right. I really, I really love you, and I really believe in you. And the re- the reality is, is, and I know that you and I share the same faith, so. It's a profound revelation when you recognize that God willed you into existence. And if you believe that, right, then that person that just cut you off on the highway 
or that person who lied to you, no matter how angry you're going to be in that moment, you have to remember God willed them into existence as well. Right. And when you come from that foundation, you are left with no other choice but to believe in them first and then invite them in, in that experience to then in turn believe in you. I, I like that. I like that, that connection with you having to believe in others or everyone's waiting to be believed in as opposed to going out and believing first. And like when I heard you say that, what came to, what came to mind is this idea that you're actually seeing the person. Mm-hmm. There is a there's an African it's an Afri it's an African uh, greeting. Okay, I think it's from I don't want to mess it up, but I think it's from the Zulu tribe. But anyways, Sawabana and it says I see you. Okay, how do you spell that? Do you know? S a w o b o n a Sawabana. Okay, something something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. So if you break those words, they very simply. You know, instead of saying hi or hello, I see you. I mm-hmm. acknowledge you mm-hmm. for the person that you are, mm-hmm. the person standing there next to me. And that reminds me of, I don't carry cash with me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I just have a credit card and that's it. It's just yeah. here. And, but I remember, you know, kids are curious. I have three kids. And whenever we're on the side of the road, there's usually some homeless guy. So they're going to ask. What's wrong with that guy? Why, you know, why doesn't he have a home? Mm-hmm. You know, and then he's coming there. I don't have money. So now it's like, what do you do? And so do you ignore them? Do you not? And so now they're asking questions, you know, are you supposed to say hi to them? Are you not? And so what am I teaching them with my actions? And at first I didn't like it because I was just ignoring them. I was like, hoping the problem would go away. Yeah. And if you didn't look at them, they wouldn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And so. I had to change it up. And I said, you know what? We need to make a care package for them. So I went to the grocery store. We bought a whole bunch of Ziploc bags and we bought some stuff. And we made like 20 of them. And I asked the kids to make a card for each one of the bags. So there was three cards in each bag. Mm -hmm. And I wrote one too. So there are four cards. Mm. So again, you got to lead by example, right? So Mm -hmm. you're doing, I wrote a little bit more just Say they're like, well, what do we do? It just say God loves you, or I love you, or mm-hmm. I see you, mm-hmm. something, or mm-hmm. a, a picture of a beautiful sun. Oh, love that, man! Oh right? my gosh, wow! So we put, you know, a few things, some water, some, you know, some little snacks, and then the first time we said, can can we give it to them? And I was like, yeah. So the first few times I gave it to them, I would just give it to them, and then that was it. And then something didn't feel right. Hmm. I said, okay, we're giving that to them. We took the time, but the thing that they need most, I still haven't given to them. I haven't acknowledged them. So then I started, these are conversations I'm having with the kids. I I honestly said that to them. I said, you know what? I haven't asked them their name. How many people do you think asked them their name? And how many people do you think they see every single day on this corner? And they're like, probably nobody. I said, we're going to be different. So the next time somebody came, before, they gave, before I gave them anything, I said, what is your name? Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike, what's up? I'm Armando. I'm making physical connection with them. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, it's a pleasure to meet you. Here, this is for you from our family. And then I tell the kids, hey, guys, can you guys say hi to Mike? And then they were like, hey, Mike, how are you? And then you can see it in their, you know, their being, I see you. Mm-hmm. I see you for who you are, not mm-hmm. condemning you or anything like that. For right now, you are here in front of us here. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. There's another African word, Ubuntu, U-B-U-N-T-U. It's also the name of a tech company, but it means I am because you are, mm. right? And basically, it's, it's the same similar thing. Like, we don't exist without being acknowledged by another human being, right? Otherwise, we're just like a shadow. And there are too many people, homeless as well as rich, people in and, yeah. rich you know, that are homeless, that, that, are, that, that don't exist. They, they walk around in the shadow because they, they don't feel like someone's acknowledging them. And, and I, I just read this book or reread this book called Beginning to Pray. And it's a profound book. And I wrote down some of the quotes. One of the quotes is, is to be poor financially is in a way much easier than to be poor inwardly and to have no attachments. And, and I thought that was a really, really profound thing. And it, it's so true. To be poor financially is easier than to be poor inwardly. And we are having right now in this world so many people that are poor inwardly, right. which ultimately leads them to question, what's my legacy? What am I doing here? Right. You know, What am I going to leave? And I want to make sure that we kind of crack the code a little bit today for the audience and kind of give them some of the, the ciphers, if you will, to, to break the code so that they can understand and begin to crystallize what, what some of their legacy is. But before we do that, I don't want to miss out on talking about your dad. <laughs> yes, actually, that's a, that's a, that's a, that, is, that is the starting point, right? So my parents celebrate 40 years married on the 16th of June of this year, 2018. Wow. And marriage has always been something that I've looked at from the outside. And I see my parents, the way they interact. And I see how other couples interact. And there's a reason why the divorce rate is so high and why, or at least I've noticed my parents act different. They speak to each other differently. And so I grew up with that. I, I feel blessed because statistically speaking, I don't have that chance. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was born again, I wouldn't have that chance. Statistically, more than 50% are divorced. So my odds of 
having that family wouldn't happen again. My father growing up was my best friend. Not because I was like that weird, awkward kid that couldn't get along with anyone. I played every single sport. I was involved with everything, but no one that I trusted more than my father. I have friends that we can mess around, we can play, we can play sports, we can talk about girls, we can do whatever. But when it came down to the things that mattered most, there's only one person that I would speak to, and that was my father. So the influence that he had on me was massive. Legacy was something I was thinking about in my teenage years, my early teenage years, because my father was there for every practice, every game, most, most, I'm not gonna say everyone, most practices, most games, most events. I started seeing that him having his own business gave him that flexibility. My mom still works for the same company. She makes good money, but she has her two weeks. And she's got to fight for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you're going on vacation for a week. You know, the week before, you got to basically do everything that you have that you're not going to do on the other week. So you're putting in 80 and 90 hour weeks because you got to get it done before you leave. That's not vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're exhausted by that time and you don't have the freedom. My father would go to North Carolina with us for a week and just go there. I would see that he would lead, like, he wouldn't just tell me something. It was something that he believed in and something he acted on. Mm-hmm. Exercise. It's a big part of my life. Why? Because my father, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. Running is a massive part of my life. I hated it. Like people laugh at me because I run 50 miles and, you know, I run for hours and hours and hours on end. And they're like, oh, you know, must have always come easy. I said, no, my father used to coach my basketball team. And his approach was, you know what? Give me anyone. Everyone, all the kids that nobody wants. The bad news bears, that was my team always because he was my coach. So I was stuck with him. I'm like, dad, come on. Can, can you get us a better team? You know? And he's like, no. I said, there's a time for winning. There's a time for other stuff. Now's the time for learning. And his, his idea said, look, you guys may not be the most skilled players, but there is no excuse for you not to be conditioned. Step one, if you can keep up, you have a better chance. Mm-hmm. So he used to make us run, do exercise. And every time he would make us run, I remember crying as a kid saying, you're just making everybody run because you want to see me run. That, that was my, in my <laughs> head. That's what I thought, right? And he's like, no, that's not the case. But growing up, he would wake up at three, four in the morning and he would train before taking us to school. Or, and he always told me, he said, listen, training is important. It needs to be part of your life, but it shouldn't interfere with the family. So how does that happen? You do it when everyone's sleeping. You do it not the time that you can be hanging out with everyone. That's not the time you take off and go. You do it before. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. You got to set your priorities. So family was an important thing. Every night you sit down for dinner. You know, we didn't have phones or anything back then, so it wasn't an issue, but everyone sits down. Nobody gets up from the table until everyone's done. Then we clear the table and then we go and finish up. Like there were these principles, these things. We would go and drive from Miami to, to North Carolina for different things or along the way up through Florida. Four hour drives up to, to North Carolina is 14 hours. From start to end, we were talking the entire time on a myriad of subjects. That's the relationship that I have with my father. 
Mm. I remember thinking when I grow up, when I become a father, I want to be a father like my father was to me. Like mm. those, I can honestly remember thinking that if mm-hmm. I could do that, I would be happy. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that was I, it. <laughs> I love that, man. That's so powerful. You know, it's definitely, definitely something that was, was breathed into you. And now you're bringing out into the world, which is why you had the self-awareness to say to yourself, something's not right. I need to go do this thing. And then ultimately that, you know, the rich, rich man experience was born and then the legacy code. So what are, how do we decipher the legacy code? What are, what are the steps that, that people can take, whether they're a man or a woman, because we, we all want to have a legacy and to have an impact in the, in the lives of others in some way, shape or form. So what are the, are the steps that we should follow? So in the book, what I did was I broke it down into five steps. First one is awareness, right? Are you aware of legacy? Like, is that a thing? Is that a conscious thought? Because what I found was I interviewed before I wrote the book or as I was writing the book, I interviewed 111 men Hmm. because the book was written for men, right? Mm -hmm. But by the way, that was the biggest complaint that I got. It was from women that read the book. And I've had about an even amount of women that have read the book men. And they're like, hey, you talk about men, but all of these things work for women too. And I said, yes, yes, understand that. But the the people that I coach are men. And I wanted like women are good about extracting what's useful and taking it. If you're not talking directly to a guy, they're like, ah, you ain't talking to me. <laughs> right. So I wanted to make sure that the that the message got across. Right. To the men, sure. Sure. Right? Sure. That's why it's there. But yes, this goes for men and women. So first, you have this idea of awareness. When I did these interviews, what I found was the men, so the people that thought about legacy most were the men who had a belief in in God and something greater than themselves. So Mm -hmm. they were, they tended to be religious of some sort. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of them were, were Christian, but in general, there was something greater than themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other thing is fathers. If you had children, you now started thinking about legacy a little bit more. The mm-hmm. people that were single or or tended to be just more self-focused mm-hmm. tended not to think about legacy because legacy, at least the way I see it, is, is a service in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And if you're only thinking about yourself, you're not really thinking about the service, servicing of others as well. So first and foremost is awareness. Second one is vision, right? If you cannot see where you're going, if you don't have that, that destination, and by the way, I, I like to think of it less of a destination, but really about kind of what you're creating every single moment, but what is it that you actually want to create? Like that, mm-hmm. that vision, that, that product at the end, and then you have your purpose. So if vision is your what, your purpose is your why, mm-hmm. it's the engine that drives you. If you don't have that, because a lot of people can talk about the vision, but you don't have that engine, when things go bad, and I say when, not if, when, because mm-hmm. they're going to go bad, life looks like a EKG. Mm-hmm. It goes up and down. Right. The problem is 
the drug companies, the society wants you to think that it needs to be even keel. Mm -hmm. But if you know anything about medicine, an EKG that is flat means you're dead. Yeah, right. Right? So mm -hmm. essentially, people or society wants you to go around dead. Mm -hmm. I say embrace the ups, embrace the downs. Just like an EKG goes up and down. Get that mm -hmm. visual so that you're not thinking that you're doing something wrong, but understand part of the journey is the up. But if you have an up, there's a down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so each thing teaches you something and prepares you for the next thing. Mm -hmm. So you have your awareness, you have your vision, you have your purpose, your process now. These are the steps. You have to create the steps now to get you to create that vision. Uh, was it Stephen Covey's begin with the end in mind. So, okay, this is what I'd like to create. Let's trace backwards. What needs to happen? Mm -hmm. Who do I need to become to be and reach that level to create this? And then finally, action, right? Mm -hmm. You need to implement. It's implementation. You mm -hmm. need to take the action and execute on this process now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and take that, take that journey day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I think the thing that people get stuck on probably the most is the action because that involves risk, right? So it's taking this action, taking this step. Plus, they have this vision and they don't understand that they don't necessarily need to have the vision all come true in one moment. It's going to be a series of small moments that add up over time right. and create the outcome that you're desiring. It's like, you know, you didn't run, you didn't start running 50 milers the first day that you started running. Exactly. It's been a journey. Right. And, and it's about being present in that journey and, and, and having that awareness when you're going through the EKG of life so that when you are in those periods where you're in the, in the trough, in the down zone, you can have that awareness that you were talking about and identify, okay, what are the opportunities here? You know, what, what can I own here and bring forward into the next experience in, when I'm coming back up? And what can I carry forward and replicate? And what can I keep behind or let go of? And it's a really incredibly powerful process. I love it. I love it. I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a visual person. So mm -hmm. I'd like to kind of share an example real quick of sure. that. Most mornings, I'm up at three something to go get my run in before everyone wakes up and I got to go to work. So my, my room is on one end of the house. The front door is on the opposite end. And so is the garage. Mm -hmm. That's where I keep my shoes. Now, for me, my vision in this particular case is I want to go for a run. Like I'm clear on that. Mm -hmm. Now, the purpose is I know that if I go on my run, I'll be healthier. I'll feel better. I'll feel more accomplished. I'll feel more focused in the day. That's the thing that drives me. It's the reason why I can get up. It's the other thing is like, I really love this idea of running in, in the moonlight. In mm -hmm. the trails, I feel connected. There's something about that 3 a.m. that there's, there's like a, you know, at 5 a.m. cars are already going. At 3 a.m., it's kind of like that in-between where if you went out really late, you've already just gotten home. And if you're going to get up really early, like there's that dead space in between. It's about mm -hmm. three to four. And it's that time that's just for me that I get to 
pray. I get to talk to myself. I get to talk to God. I get to connect with nature in a, with no distractions because there's hardly any light. Mm-hmm. So I'm not feeling my way. I'm running through the trails with no light. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful moment. So those, those are the things that kind of push me. That's the engine. Now, mm-hmm. the process is I have to get up from my bed that's comfortable. I got to change. I got to walk across the house in the dark to get to my shoes in the garage, put them on, and head out the door. Now, in the mornings when I do that, I go slowly because I can't see. The lights are off, and I don't want to wake up everyone. Now, think about that in life regarding clarity. When you talked about vision, a lot of times people think they have a vision, but they don't have the clarity. And it's the same thing that happens to me in the mornings. Instead of being able to like walk confidently down the hallways or down the, the corridor, I can't do that because everything is, is off and I don't want to smash my foot in the bookcase or the piano that's there. I know certain obstacles that are there. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever walked into a dark room, you shuffle, you put your hands out, you want to make sure you're not smashing into anything. Mm-hmm. As I walk and I pass the, the danger, then I feel more relaxed. If I turn on the lights, I walk a lot quicker. So whenever you're feeling like you're not moving fast enough, very often it's directly related to a lack of clarity. Hmm. Hmm. So if you want to move quicker, have more clarity. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that means with your purpose, your process, your vision. And when you have those, if you're very clear on what that vision is, it's one that excites you. It's one that, wow. Like, I, it's not, oh, I'd like to do that. No, mm-hmm. no, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I was born to do that, to become mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a very big difference. Mm-hmm. 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 When you have that driving engine that moves you, amazing. Now you have. The process, the steps you got to take, it's like, let me go. I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. The the action part becomes less of an issue. The thing is that we rarely get to the point where all three of those are perfect, are so aligned. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Another problem that people have is they think that has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it regarding vision. Sometimes you can only see so far, but to kind of... Piggyback, I think it was Einstein that said, if I've seen so far, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. And so think about, see as far as you can go and know that doesn't have to be the end. And know that as you're going through the journey, you're going to be able to see a little bit further. Mm -hmm. And if something pops up and is revealed to you, it's okay for you to kind of now make that part of it and reassess and readjust. It's so powerful. and. It's something that I think people need to go and re-listen to that segment there because there is a lot of truth. And if you actually think about it and reflect on it and ponder the truth in what was just said, it can be very, very powerful in your, in your own life. And as we begin to wrap, because unfortunately we are running out of time, <laughs> I, I want to make sure, number one, that we can point people to where they can learn more about you and your work and your book. So why don't you take a moment to tell people where they can connect it with you. And then I have four questions that I now ask every single guest uh, at the end of the show. Sure. The book, check it out at LegacyCodeBook.com. You can find the main hub for me is ArmandoCruz.com. Mm-hmm. 
And that's pretty much it. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Do you prefer one over the other? I'm usually on Facebook most. Okay. Though I'm kind of playing around with Instagram, just yeah. with some of the stuff that I like to make and play around with the adventures sure. that I go on and so forth. Sure. So the first question that I ask of every guest is if you could take a skill set that you currently possess, so something you already have, mm-hmm. and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? <laughs> I kind of feel like the skill set. So here's my superpower would be seeing and hearing what's not really being said. In other mm-hmm. words, that to me is what I feel is one of my superpowers, one of the skill sets that I have that mm-hmm. I've developed as a therapist and as a coach is mm-hmm. being able to, you know, if we're having a conversation to understand what's actually not being said. Mm-hmm. And it's in that the, the spaces of the not is mm-hmm. where I find the gems come out. Oh, yeah, man. You know, there's this proverb. It says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters and one with insight draws them out. So it sounds like you have the gift, the superpower of insight. Mm. The next question is, what are three lies? What, what three lies do we tell ourselves? that prevent us from realizing our full potential? We're not ready. We're not worthy. And someone else already did it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say those would be the three. And mm-hmm. I would say that those are all lies because nobody can do it like you. Mm-hmm. right? So not necessarily that you would do it better, but mm-hmm. no, nobody can be you. So mm-hmm. instead of trying to be somebody else, do it your way. And share that gift with the world. Somebody's going to like the flavor, you know? I mean, just right. all you got to do is walk down the cereal aisle. And, <laughs> you know, and, you know, cereal was made and then, you know, it was right. made a different way, you know, and 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 it right. and people, you know, like what they like. The the next question, have you ever been to a museum? That's not the question, but you've been to a museum, right? And and outside of paintings and stuff, probably when you go to a museum, the, the next most prevalent thing are statues, monuments, right? And those monuments are made to replicate people or moments in history that were, were monumental moments in history, right? So therefore, they're now, you know, exist forever in marble. And I was thinking about this as it relates to our own life and in terms of how we will measure our life. So if you were to leave instructions for a future sculptor, right? 200 years from now on how he or she, the moments that you would want him or her to replicate in a monument, what would those moments be? So I would say capturing, and I don't know, so I understand the, the question. So I'm, tr- I'm trying not to put the, the bias of can it be done or not? It's, it's yeah, okay. if I'm whatever. trying to capture the moment is the image that I see that freeze frame of each of my kids laughing in the most amazing way. And my wife, mm. if I could, if they could capture that and it's mm-hmm. hard because it's a feeling I, I have these snapshots of when I've seen them laugh and smile, like pure joy mm-hmm. that there's nothing, there's nothing like it for me to mm-hmm. know that I got to experience that miracle. Like mm. it's just that moment is a miracle to have the awareness that, wow, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That to me, like, would be it. That's a beautiful answer. The last question 
is more of a call to action. I want you to give listeners today a call to action that when they you know, get out of their car, when they get home, when they get to work, when they get to the gym, whatever, what's the first thing that they should do as it relates to mapping out their legacy code? Look at you for a second. Take a moment, take a deep breath, and put yourself at the end of your life. What would you really want your wife, your spouse, your kids to say about you mm-hmm. that would make your life know that it was worth it? Mm-hmm. If you can start from there, it's going to give you an in-depth kind of like, oof, mm. that, that's going to give you context for these are the things that are really important to me. Mm. And then once you figure out those things that are really important to you, ask yourself, am I living them now? And find ways to put them into your life. If not, like these little rocks, let's just say you, you do that little exercise and just think about it for a second. And you say, you know, family time is important. Making memories with the kids or, or learning is really important. And then ask yourself, okay, wait, if these three things are important to me, am I making space for them every single day? Mm. And then what are the things associated with that? So maybe making memories means, you know, creating the time to make the memories, but it also means I need to be physically able to make those memories. So if I'm sick all the time, do I need to change my my diet? If I can't move because I'm in pain all the time, do I need to actually start moving more, start getting help with some of that and start like piecing it and making it like start with those rocks and then add to them mm-hmm. to support those rocks, create mm-hmm. the space and the access to do and have them be part of your life daily. That, I would say, would be the the pinnacle. Armando Cruz, what a wonderful way to end a a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for joining the Impact Entrepreneur Show today and impacting our audience. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters, we could not do this show without them or with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.